This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Let's play a game today, guys. You want to play a game? I love games. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. I'll call this game for better or for worse. Have you ever heard of that? I just made that up right now. Isn't that impressive? The saying? Yeah. No, for better I'm, or for worse. I don't think worse. anyone's ever I, that's uttered what I'm that, saying. I just those made that words, up. and that's succession. Thanks, Jacob. I just made that up, and it's great. We'll go through the Steelers' position groups on offense and defense, and let's talk about if we think they'll be better or if they'll be worse in 2021. That's a crazy concept, right? It's a tough game to play. Do you think you guys are down? Yeah. Jacob? Yeah. I just said yeah. All right, perfect. Well, let's stick to kick things off on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start in the backfield at the running back position. Uh, it's hard to get much worse than it was <laughs> yeah. in the 2020 season. They ranked in the bottom in the NFL as far as rushing statistic categories are concerned. James Conner, their number one running back, struggled to stay healthy uh, throughout the season, as has become the case for him. And Benny Snell never really was able to catch on. So it's a lot harder for them to be worse. And it better be better for the Pittsburgh Steelers if they want to have any success this year. But I would say that, yeah, I think the running back position is going to be better in 2021. And maybe it's just because the bar is so low that I feel so confident in saying that. But that's the case. The bar is just set so low that it's hard to get worse, and you can only go up from there. And I think any one of the three running backs that they could take in the first round, Etienne, Harris, or Williams, I think they can't go wrong as far as improving their running backs from at least the last season. Yeah, and any one of those guys instantly makes the running back room better. That's not saying a ton about the running back room right now. Um, you know, losing losing James Conner right now, the only running backs that you have on your depth chart are Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, Kalen Balazs, who just brought in, what, two weeks ago, and Jalen Samuels, who, you know, we've said on this show, I've said on this show, I don't even think he's an NFL player. Um, he's your fourth running back. So instantly when you bring one of those guys in, it makes your running back room better. And I think you hit the nail on the head. This isn't exactly a, a ringing endorsement by us saying that the running back room will be better, the running back position will be better next year. Um, it might not be a ringing endorsement, but it's probably going to be pretty hard to be worse than they were last year. Um, I mean, we, we, we've talked about that a lot. That's probably the first step in kind of rebuilding. I know, again, we don't like to say rebuilding here in Pittsburgh, but that's kind of what I think the first step is to change your identity. And if you're going to change your identity to a running football team, well, you better be good at running the football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they have to be better. Um, but, again, they, they don't have to be that much better to be better than they were last year. Right. Kellen, you started out by saying bringing in one of those three guys doesn't necessarily, necessarily say a whole lot about the running backs uh, who are already on the team right now. Uh, but I think it does. I think when you don't, when there isn't much to be said about which of the three guys that you could draft uh, could be an instant improvement from the guys you do have on your team is says a lot about how bad the guys on your team are because it doesn't matter who you get. You already know instantaneously whoever you do get is going to be an improvement, uh, barring some ridiculous flop or ridiculous bust out of any of these three running backs. But the Steelers are much better off getting a running back in this first round, capitalizing on on the guys who could be available at pick 24. I mean, we've talked about would they pass up one of those guys for a 
a flashier offensive lineman or maybe a cornerback or a linebacker who wasn't supposed to be there or anywhere near pick 24, it's possible. But when we talk about how's, how's the best way to fix the running game, I mean, it's to get a better running back. And there's no doubt that any of these three guys are better than any of the three guys or four guys the Steelers have a running back right now. So the running back group gets better in 2021. So that's a check in the right category assuming as far as the Steelers are concerned. It's assuming that Even if smart. it's not. Even if they don't pick a running back, that's it's hard to get much worse. Like it's I hard said. to get worse, sure, because there is nowhere else to go but up. Yeah, you gotta hope that it's gonna be better. What about the guys blocking for that running game? The guys up front, the offensive line, for better or for worse, in the twenty twenty one season, I think it's gonna be a little bit worse because I think the offensive line is starting to tear itself down to hopefully build itself back up. Kevin Dotson's the first brick in that new offensive line regime, but other than that, I don't see really anybody on this line that really factors into that future with Dotson, and that could change after the draft. If they do take a center in the second round, then he would slot right in there as the starter. Uh, as it stands right now, looking at the Steelers' depth chart right now, B.J. Finney is the starting center. Uh, their starting left tackle is Rashad Coward. But that's just, I mean, that's a position battle between him and Chooks. Uh, Dotson and DeCastro, of course, are your guards. And they have uh, Banner as the right tackle, obviously. So interesting that they have Banner at the right tackle. ESPN.com might be a little bit off there because I think Banner is going to play left tackle, if anything. I think that's what Tomlin put his vote of confidence in him for. But, mm. you know, Banner and Coward or Chooks at the tackles, that doesn't do a lot for you. The guards are solid, but as that, if that center's B.J. Finney and operating from what I know right now it is, it's going to be a worse unit in 2021 because it's just on its descent as far as the, the group of that era with Pouncey and Big Al and Ramon Foster and David DeCastro. I mean, DeCastro's the only one left standing there. Yeah, and right. even if you do bring in a center in the second round, it's tough to put a lot of confidence in that guy to be a very good rookie immediately uh, i know dotson was pretty good but at the same time dotson struggled to find the field when the line was uh -huh. quote unquote fully healthy yeah. throughout the season later in the year so it's tough for rookies to find the field under tomlin and the pittsburgh steelers so i think it's going to be a worse unit this year in the offensive line so you got running backs that are going to improve almost because they have to uh, the offensive line i think gets a little worse in 2021 yeah i mean i I guess if you're making me pick one, like, could I just say, like... No, you have to pick one. It's for better or for worse. Oh. It's a I, game, Kellen. I mean, in a in a perfect world, I would say they would probably be right around as good or as bad, however mm. you want to put it, as they were last year. I know. Mm -mm. I know. I'm saying in a perfect world. how it world. works. I'll kick you out of the studio. But, um, I mean, if you're making me pick one, I think... I think they, a stickler. I think they are due to kind of take a step back. I mean, I think you outlined why that is i mean you know david DeCastro kind of took a step back last year again you know we know that he was fighting something last year i think that much is obvious um that the DeCastro wasn't himself last year and granted he could get on the right track and maybe that changes things but as you said when you're bringing in a, a rookie center who knows if that rookie center is even going to start um i i hope that that is the thing that they do i hope they they let that sent that that center start for you to start building that offensive line back up to get some um experience there but you know you have finney you have hassenauer you know who knows um but yeah i mean i i think they are going to take a little bit of a step back um but at the same time i don't think they're going to fall off a cliff i don't think they're going to be an awful 
offensive line. I don't think they're going to be a bad offensive line. I thought they were fine last year. You know, I, I think if you can stay around fine, I, I think, you know, as we said before, the, the running backs and the the offensive linemen kind of go hand in hand. Um, but I, I think if, if the offensive line takes a little bit of a step back, it doesn't harm the running backs that much because they are getting better, or at least you hope they get better with, with uh, whatever happens in the draft. But, um, you know, when you look at that that offensive line, I think they're they're due to take a step back. But, again, I think there's a ton of potential there. Again, potential being a dirty word. You have Dotson, who showed flashes last year. You're probably going to be, bring in a rookie center that, you know, might not start week one, but will probably end up playing by the end of the year. Um, you know, and, you know, there, there's some things to be proven. You still don't really know what Chooks for is, and you really don't know what Zach Banner is at this point. I mean, he's only, um, yeah, I, I guess technically he was a starter last year, was going to be a starter before, you know, he hurt his knee in the first game, but you really don't know what he is either. So there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line, and that kind of is what leads me to believe that they take a little bit of a step back. But again, I don't think it's going to be catastrophic for the offensive line. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kellen. I'll just make the quick case for the opposite, that they could get better, and that's just the same thing that I said about the running backs is that there's really nowhere else to go but up. We saw how, unfortunately, how poorly this offensive line could perform as a unit last year. And, yeah, there's a little more unknown this year than there was last year, but there's still the promise of possibly adding through the draft, and that's not just with one guy, it's possibly with two guys. And that's probably best-case scenario. In addition, best-case scenario is Chooks pans out and Banner pans out and DeCastro kind of returns to form. So I would say that, yes, it's probably not going to be as great as it once was when it was in the peak uh, of the careers of Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro. But I'll say this, that it's it's possible that there's an improvement just because of unfortunately how big of a setback there was last year now let me just play devil's advocate on one thing you said there about how you don't think there could be anywhere for them to get worse i agree with you as far as the running game is concerned it could get worse as far as pass protection of big ben is concerned oh though. he well, was yeah. kept okay. very clean Great last point. year yeah uh, and the offensive line was still very strong as far as pass protection. I was think concerned. they were the number one pass protection unit. If that's not the case, they were no worse than top five. So I there's nowhere like to, to go but down, I guess. And that exactly. In that but sense, I'm yeah. not. Uh, but again, I'm just no, playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to go get dramatically down. worse yeah. in pass blocking. I think they'll still be decent at that. And I, I think Ben will still be getting rid of the ball very quickly. That was a big factor in their pass mm. blocking too. But. Looks like we think the line's going to get a little bit worse. So a little bit worse, but better in the running back department. So that running game, who, so who maybe knows they help out happen. each other. Yeah, I guess it just depends on how much better that running back yeah. uh, position gets and how uh, how little uh, the de decrease in play from that offensive line goes. But guys who line up on that offensive line often are the tight ends. Although the starting tight end for the Steelers wishes that he didn't line up on that offensive line and really <laughs> never does. He doesn't block at all. I think this group got worse this year just because they haven't found that replacement for Vance McDonald yet. I, I don't think it would yeah. be Zach Gentry. And as it stands right now, if you want <laughs> to really, you know, run the ball, you have to bring in a Rashad Coward and, and go jumbo because Eric Ebron just ain't going to get the job done no, no. as far as a an extra blocker on, on running plays. So I like what Ebron does in the passing game when he's actually catching the ball. That's always a problem, though, was the drops. Mm. It was with a lot of the Steelers receiving core this past year, but 
he definitely brings a sort of an X factor to the position. So when I say that it's worse, I don't want it to seem like it's in absolute dire straits. Right. But they definitely need that other aspect to the position that complement to what Eric Ebron does. And I don't think I'm ready to stamp that on Zach Gentry yet. No. And hopefully I don't think the Steelers are either. And maybe they take a tight end in the fifth or sixth round of the draft. But if you do that, it doesn't necessarily fill anything either. I mean, granted, yeah, one of those, you know, if you take a tight end in the fifth round or whatever, it could end up working out for you. Maybe they play. But even then, I don't think I'm comfortable with the tight end position. And and I think that, again, leads us to, you know, think that the tight ends are probably going to be worse because, well, you lost Vance McDonald and you don't have a suitable replacement for him. Um, not only do you not have a suitable replacement for him to, um, you know, I, I guess last year he really didn't do all that much offensively, you know, catching the ball and, and receiving wise. I know he had a handful of touchdowns, but he wasn't an impact guy in that regard. But you don't have the blocker that Vance McDonald was anywhere in the tight end group. I mean, you have Zench, you have Zach Gentry, you have um, Charles Clifford Jones, who's apparently the third tight end right now. I don't know who that is. And Kevin Rader from Youngstown State. Um you know, I, you know, I think Raider could be a decent third, but at the same time, um, I don't think Zentry, Zach Gentry, I keep calling him Zentry, Zach yeah, Gentry can, do I don't know that? why I keep doing that. Um, I think he, he, I don't think he can be a two. I don't think he's ready to be a two yet. And, and I think that's the situation that you find yourself in right now is that if you want to run a two tight end set, or if you want to, you know, run the ball or be a, more of a, a running offense, like you said, you're going to have to bring in Rashad Coward to be an extra swing tackle. And maybe that was their thinking. Maybe that's why they brought in Coward. I'm sure that was probably running through their minds when they made that move. But back to the tight end position. It's not out of the question even when you do fill that secondary tight end role to bring right. in a jumbo package. Right. But it's just like you're going to tip your hand if you have to oh, do absolutely. it every single time. Absolutely. You kind of give away what you're going to do. But, I mean, when you don't have a, a, a suitable blocking tight end – um, at least, you know, not that we've seen out of Zach Gentry or Kevin Rader or Charles Clifford Jones. We haven't seen that yet. So how can you believe that the tight end position is going to get better? I think, you know, your number one option is still really good. I think, you know, if he catches the ball, he provides a lot of, um, you know, advantages, mis mismatches with linebackers. And, um, you know, and even when, when uh, DNs have to cover him, whatever it is, Ebron presents that, but there's nothing behind him. And I think that's something that, not that I'm surprised they haven't addressed in free agency because, you know, there's no one really out there and are you really going to spend the money? Mm. But when Zach Gentry's mm. your number two, eh, I don't think the tight ends are going to get any better. No, not at all. And it's unfortunate because this time last year or around this time last year, whenever the Steelers brought in or signed Eric Ebron, we thought, okay, this is a splashy thing that the Steelers typically don't do. And we were thinking best-case scenario – for this guy was this is another huge target for Ben. This is a guy who is a big red zone presence. This is a guy that can really help the Steelers turn around their red zone offense, which at one point was first in the NFL, and I believe when Ben went down in 2019, it became the 31st or 32nd best unit in terms of red zone production. And we thought this was going to be the guy that turned things around, and guess what? He didn't really do much receiving-wise, and we already know his blocking skills, which are basically essentially non-existent. So, yeah, I don't I don't see as bad as a tight end position is, and I've made this argument with the O-line and the running back saying, oh, well, there's nowhere to go but up. I don't even see this as a possibility considering how 
how poor of a, a, a of a production you get out of all the guys available to you now. It, it it's not even there's nowhere to go but up. It just seems like you've hit almost rock bottom with the tight ends this year, and you're really just going to say anything that's good is what you'll take because you don't expect a lot from these guys. Damn, rock bottom's I think a little harsh because I think Ebron's not that bad. I mean, he does have a lot of drops. That's a huge problem. I think that he when, to the table. when, but he's season, got an X factor about him. It's just you need the compliment. You got the salt. You need a little there pepper. Is no, you need yeah, some there compliment, is no there. compliment. Like Vance yeah. was the compliment to him, and, and that's where I think that they, they could get in a lot of trouble. But that's two. I would say in the two, category for worse, and one in the category for better. Not a hot start here. No, and I would say two. I mean, if you want to, we've talked a lot about in the draft going after tight end Tommy Tremble later in later in the rounds because we know. Guys like Kyle Pitts, of course, and Fryermuth will be gone not, yeah, because Fryer they Muth can't afford to take him in the second early. or third yeah. round. So, I mean, if you get a guy like Tommy Tremble, Plus maybe. Plus, those Penn State tight ends. I mean, I don't know, Kellen. Uh, what do you think? Fryermuth. I mean, he really move whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> caught him off guard there. Relax. But yeah, I mean, if you get a Tommy Tremble like the sixth round, maybe even the fifth round, I wouldn't hate that. Just no, as, no, an, as, a, as, a, as an attempt to improve that. But then it's that. just, is that just another Zach Gentry? You know, that's you just the yeah, question you don't know. have to ask. Yeah. The wide receiver room. I think this is going to be in the category of four better, uh, honestly. Yeah, I, so I think, I. you know, putting my thoughts about the Juju Smith-Schuster re-signing aside and how I really feel about it, just looking at it on the surface as far as an on-the-field product, it's going to help that group because yeah. he's a talented player in the NFL. I just don't think... It was a good decision to go out and spend the money to bring him in because I didn't think you had to because you had enough depth at this position group. But with Juju, Deontay, Chase, and James Washington, it, it could really make up one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Uh, maybe not as far as the number one is concerned. There's definitely going to be receiving cores that boast some top dogs out there, and Juju's clearly not able to do that, and Chase Claypool might not be there yet in his career if he ever is going to be at that point. But... When you just think about the depth that they have, I think that's what they puts them in that upper echelon, not so much as just the superstar power, like some teams like the Vikings might boast with their two top guys. But you got that depth. Ben Roethlisberger liked to spread the ball around a lot last year. Of course, it's going to have to be down the field a little bit more this year because, as we saw, the short stuff stopped working uh, once the Ravens kind of figured it out in the COVID Bowl. And ever since then, it was just not the same as far as the Steelers' offense is concerned. But the one thing I think that they can do to significantly improve is we kind of touched on it already in this episode, improving on the drops. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's something that I put a lot of faith in these people to do. It is their job to catch a football. They're getting paid millions of dollars to catch a football. Uh, I think that what happened last year is – you know, one times it happens, two times it happens, three times it happens, then it's just in your head for the rest of the season. And I think a nice reset in the offseason is well needed for guys like Deontay and even Eric Ebron being thrown into this and the, the drops that they caught this year, the case of the drops. So I think they reset themselves. They come back in training camp. They fix the drops. They're very productive. And those drops are drive killers at some points this year. So you keep Absolutely. more drives alive when you when you secure the football and catch the football. So... I think that it's going to be a four better this year. I think that wide receiver room is going to take a step forward. And I think mainly guys like Deontay and Chase Claypool will definitely take steps forward. I think it'd be pretty shocking if they didn't. If, if they, they got worse. Better. If yeah. they got worse, it'd be uh, I mean, we, we all assumed that, you know, it was going to be Deontay, Washington, and uh, Claypool. That was going to be, you know, your three wide receivers this year. And everybody thought, 
Oh, I mean, that's... You were happy with it. Yeah, that's serviceable. That's, you know, it's a pretty decent wide receiver group. But then you bring Juju back, who, again, putting our feelings about the move and the roster mismanagement aside, Juju is a productive football player, and it allows him to move around a little bit, too. It allows him to play more in the slot when you have Johnson and you have Claypool and you have Washington. You have other options. So Juju isn't forced to be um, that outside guy, that number one guy that... All of us kind of have figured out that he's not. He's not a number one wide receiver. So it allows him to move around, and it allows the wide receivers, as you said, Tom, to be kind of spread around. And Ben spread the ball around to them a lot last year anyway. It would be pretty shocking, in my opinion, if the wide receiver group took a step back. And and one guy we didn't throw into the wide receiver mix um, is Ray Ray McLeod. I know that that he's not, you know, an every-down guy or whatever, but – he provides that kind of gadgetry. He provides, you know, a different Good element, um, you know, an end around or whatever it might be like. That's something that he can provide, too. And you have, you know, if you have four wide receivers and Juju Johnson, Claypool and Washington, then all of a sudden you got a gadget guy. That's a pretty good room. Really good room, actually. Yeah, it just depends on how much exposure Ray Ray's going to get, right? Because when you have four receivers available, when you have hopefully a number one or a first-round talent draft pick in, a, in the running back, and Eric Ebron could be there and, and be another favorite target of Ben. I mean, there's only one ball to go around, right? And so with uh, all the classic saying, with all those players, I mean, how much can Ray Ray really do? It's just, will, will with the time he's given on early be enough for him to say, hey, I deserve the ball, give me the ball? If so, then great, get him the ball. Because in the flashes that we saw, yeah, he was a playmaker. He was a gadget guy that the Steelers could use. But it's just, again, there's I just listed four receivers, one tight end, and one hopefully NFL-ready first-round talent running back. So that's six guys right there. Then you're starting to say, okay, but what about Ray Ray? So at that, op- at that point, he's option seven. And it's just, will he get enough exposure to actually become a prominent figure? No, I'm not saying that he will. I'm oh, just saying, I don't know about that. I don't think that he will. I mean, I'm, I'm saying he, he if he makes... His, he got very lucky that Matt Canada became the offensive well, Yeah, I agree. It suits yeah. him. That, exactly. that sort of offense very, suits him very better. very well suits him yeah. a lot. He's a dangerous player on those end arounds. But what I'm saying is, is I'm not expecting him every game to have three or four catches. I'm expecting No, no, him no, no, no. That's not to, where I don't see the impact. Either. I expect, I'm saying if every, you know, two games he gets an end around that goes for 25 or That's has a I'm catch. I'll be happy. I'll be happy. And that kind of makes him, you know, Jacob, like you said, he's obviously the seventh option, but you know, in fans' minds, that puts him up a little bit because he's making the popcorn plays, the, the right. plays that really stand out in your mind because, yeah, I mean, guys like Chase and Deontay and Juju and even James are, are doing it more with, you know, six catches a game, seven catches a game, but you remember more so when Ray Ray McLeod busted that one fifty yard oh, yeah. end around and, and hopefully the punt that, return or the kick return. Something like did, that. Yeah. Hopefully that's a dynamic that he can bring to the offense. But kind of just encompassing what Kellen said, when he is your fifth guy in that room and he kind of is that gadget guy. It's a perfect fifth guy to have because sure. you're not going to use him much in, in you know regular packages as far as a wide receiver run, going out and running routes. But Jacob, you mentioned he he's good in the punt return, so he helps you in the special teams. And yeah, I mean, those, I think it was, those end arounds can be so dangerous I think if it was, they're run right. 
I think it was Kellen who said one time we were doing Steelers Saturday. Kellen correctly predicted. I forget against which oh, I team. Said, I can't remember. Who you was you had predicted he was going to take a return, whether kick or punt, to the house, and it it wasn't a, a return for a touchdown, but it was like a seventy yard return. Yeah, he got caught at like the ten yard line. But yeah, I mean that's the type of thing that he brings, and right, um, you know, like, an X factor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you said, Tom, like with with the Canada offense. Um, not that that simulates a kick return, but on an end around, you're getting the ball not you know with a head of steam with um, you know some blockers in front with open grass in front. I think that's something that really suits Ray Ray. Again, it's not going to be every game. You're not going to see Ray Ray McLeod go out there eight catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. No, that's not what you're going to get. But if he can just contribute something every game, maybe a big play every two or three games, we'd that's, be happy with. Yeah, it. that's a huge upside for Ray Ray McLeod in the wide receiver room. Absolutely. The guy throwing them the ball, the big guy, Ben Roethlisberger, for better or for worse, unfortunately, I just think that when you're getting up there in age, as Big Ben is, there's only one way to go, unless your name is Tom Brady. And Ben's 39 years old, just turned 39 on March 2nd. Seems like it's just the natural progression of his career to get a little bit worse as he keeps... Moving forward in his 39, if he comes back next year, I don't think he would, but if he comes before his age 40 season, just the natural progression. You've seen it with Phillip Rivers. You've seen it with Drew Brees. You've seen it. You're going to start seeing it with Aaron Rodgers, I bet. Again, it's really just Tom Brady that you don't see it with. It's the most bizarre thing ever there. But I just think it's nothing to do with him not wanting to come back, his focus being there. It's just old age, and no one beats old age. Father time waits for no man, like they always say, and... Ben unless Roth, you're Tom Brady. It's, unless you're Tom Brady, yes. Tom Brady actually beat Father Time, I think, when he got his seventh Super Bowl ring, the first ever L handed to Father Maybe Time. Maybe even before that. Maybe. Maybe he's got multiple L's, but they're all at the hands of Tom Brady. But big Ben Roethlisberger, Father Time's catching up with you. And, again, I don't want to say that this is me out here saying he's going to be the reason that the Steelers get held back from making the playoffs. He's going to be the reason that they make the playoffs if they do. I just don't think that he'll be better than he was in 2020. And down the stretch in 2020, he wasn't even all that great to begin with. So I, no. I put Ben in a, getting a little worse. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, you know, can we predict that Ben's going to throw for 3,800 yards and, and throw for th- 33 touchdowns and, and next year? I think that would be, uh, I mean, if he does that, then that means the Steelers did something right. Uh, but uh, like we've talked about, the way that this offense changes, the way that this team's identity kind of changes is you become more of a um, a running style of an offense. Not to say that you run the ball you know, 50 times a game or whatever, but it has to be more of a split. And with that being said, with that in mind, you have to assume that Ben's attempts are going to go down, that his yards are going to go down, and probably his touchdowns are going to go down a little bit. That's not saying that he's going to be a game manager, but – at the same time, you have to assume if if you're going to you know feed this this bell cow that you're looking to get in the first round, you have to assume that Ben's production is going to go down, and there's nothing wrong with that. But Tom, to your point too, like even when Ben was throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game at the end of last year, he didn't look all that good. So with all of that in mind, I think it is fair to say that Ben. You know, I don't think he's going to throw for 33 touchdowns next year and throw for 4,000 yards next year. I don't think that's, you know, in the cards. And if it is, either A, he had a really great year, or B, they're back to where they were last season with him throwing the ball 50 times a game. I don't see that as a possibility. because At least I hope it's not just because I think with the departure of Randy Feigner, 
that was the kind of the guy who kind of let Ben control the pace of the offense. And with Randy there, there was really no one to push back. And I'm hoping that Matt Canada kind of Canada's not a Ben guy. That's important. That's what I'm trying to say is that I don't think Canada's going to give Ben that that freedom to kind of control the offense the way Ben has been used to doing so under Randy Feekner. I mean, we saw Ben at his best when it was uh, Todd Haley at the offensive coordinator position. And guess what? They hated <laughs> each other. I'm not saying Matt Canada and Ben are bound to hate each other, but that was just because I think Ben didn't get along so well just because there was someone else actually calling the plays. And I think it's for better that it's not Randy Feekner going to be calling the plays as the OC and it's going to be Matt Canada. But still, I mean, with another year getting older, another year post this major surgery that Ben suffered uh, or had to go through two years ago, yeah, I mean, like, father time is undefeated unless it's Tom Brady, and there's a very likely possibility he'll take another step back. But hopefully with the less or the lowered number of pass attempts that Ben could throw this year, hopefully it won't be that drastic of a falloff. All right, moving on to the defensive side. Oh, you know what? We're out of time. So, guys, unprecedented moment in Steelers standard history. We are going to have a for better or for worse part two. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Next episode, we're going to switch things over to the defensive side of the ball and continue to play. So make sure you listen to that. Listen to all our episodes at Steelers.com or download and subscribe to Steelers Standard. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can do that. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. We'll talk to you on the next Steeler Standard.